Talk up the team, talk up the team. Be like you, walk like, talk like, even think like you. The only one I could look to. You're teaching me to be just like you. Well, I just gotta be like, like, I just gotta be like you. Yeah, Uncle Chris, Uncle Keith, Uncle Ricky. Before the Lord get me, I gotta say something quickly. I grew up iffy since my daddy wasn't with me, shoe. I wasn't picky, I'll take any male figure. You stepped in at the right time. It's because of you that I write rhymes. You probably never knew. Yes, 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 yes. On this Tuesday afternoon, man, we definitely gotta bring Talk of the Tink to you anywhere you at. We definitely gotta bring this topic to you. And we got to shout out Talk Up The Thing to make this possible because we're in the building. But I got a young man with me, man. I'm going to allow him to introduce himself. What's going on, everybody? My name is Ralph Jean-Paul. I also go by RJP. And today we are here to talk up the thing. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, Ralph, man. I think that is, you know, when you think about, you know, the, our similar background, you know what I'm saying, being Caribbean. And, like, I don't know where you're coming from with if you, you, if you were born in Haiti. Yeah. And um, so how was it for you growing up in Haiti? Yeah, man. So I was, I'd like to say I was born and raised in Haiti, moved to the States when I was about to be 10 years old. And uh, growing up, it was, it was a cool place to be. Of course, like every country has its troubles, but um, you know, my, my background, my, my, my dad had a good job. My mom had a decent job and it was just as a kid, you know, we were, sometimes we were shielded from all, all the nonsense, but as for the most part, I just remember growing up, man, eating good food, good Haitian food, um, the best food on the planet. We ain't going to argue about that. <laughs> but I remember just, you know, being a kid, playing soccer with the neighborhood kids. And, and you know, soccer was a big thing in my country. Yeah, and no, the, no, definitely. Yeah, and the way we watch soccer is a little different than how we do it here. The way we watch soccer is like if, if a big game is going on, like the neighbor who has a TV will open up his house to the yes. whole neighborhood. Yes. So anybody from anywhere can just you know, be part of part of that whole celebration with you. So but it's kind of like a village, you know, in the Caribbean, it's like a village. That's exactly how it is in Jamaica. Like, like your neighbor know your business. Like right. your neighbor can spank you. Yeah. Same you know thing in Haiti, like, bro. Yeah, Same like, thing in Haiti. Like your neighbor catch you in the streets doing something, they're going to spank you and then they're yeah. going to take you home. You better not come home and tell your parents. Right. But they're going to they gonna tell your parents. They're going to tell your mom. Right. Then mom might spank you. And then mom going to tell uncle or whoever show up later, then they might spank you too. But we just had that respect, not just for the people that were inside our home, but for the people that were in our community. So that respect, you didn't play with that. So what do you miss so much about your childhood growing up in Haiti? What I miss so much, I, you know, one of the things I regret, to be honest with you, bro, is I feel like I left Haiti too early. Mm. I feel like I missed out on, you know, really getting to know the depth of my country. You know, I left when I was like nine, about to be 10 years old. So I didn't get a chance to travel to like different parts of the island as much. Uh, there's a lot of the history too. Like I didn't get to learn because at, at that age you're learning some of the foundational stuff. You're just now getting into the history. So it's when you get a little bit older that you dive deeper into like the, the full depth of, of Haitian history. So that, those are the things that I'd say I missed the most. Like I wish I would have stayed there a little bit longer to learn a little bit more about, about my island nation. Any, any type of game like you can remember that you usually play that you'd be like, damn, we, they, we don't do that anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, I just feel like nowadays, bro, we just, we, we don't see kids. We, we stayed outside. We stayed outside. And I feel like nowadays we this don't see. This is kids. See, this is kids, right? Yeah, social. like it's, it's the social media stuff. And I'm not, you know, I'm not hating on the kids or anything, but you just don't see a lot of like kids outside 
socializing, interacting with each other. But growing up in Haiti, you play all kinds of games, man. We play hide and go seek. You play okay. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. We play these little games. I think it's, it's like something with a rock and you got to move the rock somewhere and do this. It, I mean, it was just about being creative. When you're outside and you don't have video games or anything like that, you you make up games. Like, did, did you ever play Dolly House? You call it Mama and Papa. Right, right, right. Mom and Dad, right? Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. You, you find a cute little girl, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm the daddy. You know, you the mama. Uh, we, we played all of that. You know, we, we played, we made up games. But it was just about using your creativity because what else you got? You out here for three, four, five hours. You're not going to stand there and just look at each other. You're going to come up with a game. You're going to come up with something to keep you engaged and, and, and um, active. So it was, it, was, it was good times. Good times for sure. Okay, so what does family mean to you? Oh, man, family. Uh, family to me, it's not, it's, not just, it's not just people, but I think it's, it's also like, man, just that, that feeling of safety, that feeling of love, that feeling of just embracing and, and just, you know, all of those, those, those good things. So, of course, you have your nuclear family. That's going to be, you know, myself, my wife, and my two kids. But I also have people that, you know, are not blood, but they feel like family, and I consider them to be family. I also have family who are blood, and I don't really consider them to be family. So what it means to me is not just, you know, the blood stuff, but just that place where you really feel like, man, this is where I'm meant to be. And the people here love me. They accept me, flaws and everything. And, you know, I, I can I can be myself here. So that, that means a lot to me. Okay, okay. So um, you you migrated from Haiti and you came to the U.S. Uh, when you first came here, what was one of the things that you were so excited about? And what was, what was one of your biggest struggle? I'll start with the biggest struggle. The biggest struggle, I'd say, was the, the language. The language, you know, I, I didn't speak any English at all. So I remember when I first came here, I'd be watching kids. Like, I'd be in, in the house, um, and I'm watching the kids outside playing, right? And they're, they're signaling to me, like, yo, come out, come out and play, come out and play. And I'd be like, nah, I can't. And the reason why I wouldn't go out there is because, like, I don't, I don't speak y'all language. I feel like if I go out there, I'm not going to be able to communicate. I'm not going to be able to have any fun. So I would stay in the house a lot because I'm like, I don't, I don't know this language. I don't know these people. I don't know how to make a good impression. So the language was definitely the biggest thing in the beginning. But I, I feel like I quickly overcame that because when I went to school, being that young, you quickly pick up on the language. So I, I read a lot of books. I still remember like my first, my first report card. My first report card was terrible. Mm. Like F's and D's and F's. Second report card, terrible. D's and F's. And then, by the time I got my third report card in that first year, because we get four report cards a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the time I got my third report card, I got A's and B's. So Damn. by that time, I had already picked up on the language. I had already picked, like math, I was always good at math. Like we, we focus a lot on math in Haiti. But by the time I got my third report card, bro, A's and B's, and, and I was all the way through elementary, middle, high school. My first C again was probably was in college. But it was, you know, the language was the biggest barrier. Once I overcame that, I just felt like, you know, I could, I could, do, I could do anything. But... I'd say some of the things that surprised me coming to the States, man, like, you know, when you're that young, you're watching America on TV. You just assume everybody is filthy rich. Yes. Yes. Oh, I deal with that right now. Yeah. 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 You just <laughs> send assume, the money. <laughs> right. 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 And, and you just assume everybody's filthy rich. There's no poverty. You assume like the streets are, are clean. Everybody's house is big. And then you come here. And you see like somebody on the corner asking for money, just like, yeah, this is not what I expected at all. You come here and then people go to work and 
I mean, they they busting their tail to make it to make ends meet, and you just like, yeah, this is not what I thought about this country at all. So I I say that was the biggest surprise for me when I first first got to America. Okay, so you made that transition after high school, right? And um, you um, college. So you why USF? Man, so I wasn't even supposed. I wasn't USF wasn't even on my radar at all. So I remember when I was applying for colleges, I wanted to go to FSU. So I wanted to go to FSU because. Back in 11th grade, we had did um, this trip. It was called Boy State, and they took us to FSU, and we got a chance to – we were supposed to meet the governor, but he ain't, he ain't show up. I don't remember who the governor was at that time. But we did this, this weekend experience thing at FSU. They gave us a tour of FAMU, and I was like, yeah, this FSU campus is really nice. This thing looks like a castle. This is definitely where I want to go to school. So I go back, and I apply to FSU. I had taken my ACT at the time. I got a 19 on that bad boy. So when I applied to FSU, FSU was like, nah, bro, you. <laughs> when you to, said 19, yeah, I'm like, hold yeah, up. No, I don't yeah, know if you're going to get it in that yeah, 19. Nah, they was like, nah, nah, <laughs> yeah, go do that. And they said, they wrote me a letter and say, like, you should go to, I think it's TCC uh-huh. is uh, the community college. I How think. did you feel about that when they said that? Man, I was hurt because in college, bro, I mean, high school, like, you know, my GPA is like a 3.8. You know, I feel like I'm on top of the world. So that denial, it didn't sit right with me. But then I took the ACT again and got a 24. Don't and, you hate uh, that? You worked so hard for four years in high school to get that GPA and right. one test. One test. One test determined everything. Exactly, man. So I took the ACT again, got a better score, got a 24, and I was I was going to go to FGCU, but then I was doing research online and looking at different schools, and then USF popped in, I'm, and I'm looking at the stats about USF. You know, they're at the time, you know, just a very, very good college, good college business, you know, very diverse place to be, and Tampa not being too far from where I was. At the time, I was in Winter Haven, and Winter Haven's about... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hold on, hold You didn't know about USF? Nah. You could walk to USF. The, the thing is, bro, I, I never taught the guidance counselors. Okay, I, okay. I never felt the... You know, other people were doing it, and that's like... And that's one thing I would say to to, to kids, man. Anybody who listens to talk up the thing and you're in high school, talk to your guidance counselor, man. Have those conversations, because again... You know, they have information that you need, and I never did that. So, I, you know, I wasn't talking to anybody until it was, like, way too late. So, I, I learned about USF way late. But I'm glad I made that choice to come out to USF, though. Okay. Yeah. I do have to step back a little bit. So, yeah. you came from Haiti and everything like that. Did you know Eddie before all of this? Nah, I met Eddie at USF. Okay, okay. Because yeah. I, I don't know. Eddie said he came here around 1999, 2000. Yeah. You say he came here in 2000. When, yeah. did you, when did you got I here? I came here in 1999. Yeah, so that's, see, that's, yeah. That, that's why I asked that question because um, I know Eddie always say between 1999 or 2000, and, I mean, y'all came to USF together, so sometimes you always ask that question because yeah. y'all from Haiti. Right, right, right. Like, nah, man, you know, he was probably on the other side of the island. I never seen that man before. He was probably <laughs> eating guillo somewhere else. Well, I was eating guillo somewhere else. Eating but, that guillo. Yeah, but we met, we met at USF, my freshman year at USF. Okay, so you got the USF, and were you single at the time? No. No, nah, bro, I wasn't single. Actually, I had had just started dating a young lady like a week before I came to USF. Dang. Yeah, I know. I, we dated all throughout my four years of college, and then we broke up like shortly after I graduated. Um, but here's how I look at it, man. I just, you know, um, I'm always going to be respectful when I, when I talk about her. I look at it as I feel like that relationship probably kept me away from a lot of nonsense in college. So the really? respect that distant, I had. Distant relationship. Yeah, it was it was, it was was a long distance relationship. But because I valued relationship, like I knew like, you know, there's some things I just couldn't get into while I was in college because I was. Did you go home person. a lot? Yeah, a lot, bro. Because at the time when we were dating, she wasn't driving. So like almost every weekend I was going home. 
Winter Haven, right? Going back to Winter Haven, like 45 minutes to an hour driving back, you know, just so we could spend some time and then come back, come back up kind of thing. Yeah. So how was Temptation? Man, scroll. Temptation was <laughs> real, you know? And we were, you know, we, so, you know, I grew up in the church and she did as well. And when we were dating, we were always adamant about, you know, we're, we're going to make sure that we, we remain, what we would say remain pure, right? Celibate until we get married. So no sex or anything like that. And, you know, when you dating somebody that you like and you love and they're attractive, they're attracted to you, you're attracted to them, there's no way you're not going to be tempted. So temptation was always real, bro. So, you know, we did our best to make sure that we, we didn't stay indoors too much kind of thing, you know, step outside, go out on dates and, um, you know, be around other people as well. That helped out, but temptation was real, bro. So are you trying, am I hearing you saying that you was a virgin? Yeah, I was. Throughout college. All throughout college, bro. God damn it. Yeah, I know, man. Jesus well, Christ. But you know, I don't I don't regret. I feel like that's a, yeah, like the, it took a lot of strength to be able to, to do that. Yeah, it, no. Bro, there were some times. You. Like, there were, oh, man, there were some moments where, like, I had to, like, I had to tell homegirl, like, I I got to go home. Yeah, because, I, and the reason why I asked that question is because it's not like you was a, a 3C student. When I yeah. look at a 3C student, the students who wake up in the morning, get in the car, get in the classroom, and get back in the car. Yeah. No, you was no. a part of different organizations. Yes. So you get to see these girls, NCNW, yes. um, CCE, you, Jam. Club Creole. Yeah. I'm, I'm involved. Like, I know people, and I'm not like an awkward dude who, you know, who's like not around these people. No, I'm, I'm in these people's faces. They're in my so what faces. Happened to, what happened to the CCE parties? Uh, I went, man, I would go. What, they, they was pinning them girls on the wall. Yeah. I was, <laughs> <laughs> they was, pin, I wasn't, I, I wasn't pinning nobody on the wall, mm-hmm. but you know, I, you dance with them and then you just like, this has to stop here. And it wasn't like, I'm not trying to make it seem like this was an easy thing to do because it wasn't, but it's just, I always felt like, man, you know, um, I always felt like, you know, this is what, this is what God would want me to do. So above all else, I got to submit to that. And okay. It, it was hard to submit to it, but I had to. I had to do that. All right. Four years relationship. Yeah. Great. You you respect her and everything like that. So you met the future wife. Yeah. And how did you know she was the one? How did I know she was the one? Um. So her and I, we were both serving, um, at the same church and same same similar ministries. And you know, I just saw a lot of things in her that I really appreciated. Oh, First, she didn't go to USF. No. Okay. So, so my wife. My wife graduated from UF. Well, at first, she, she graduated from UF, and she got she got her master's at USF. But at the time that I was at USF, she was at she was at UF. So okay. I didn't meet her until you know probably soon after I graduated, like maybe a year or maybe even a year after I graduated. So how I knew she was the one, bro, was just you know at that time I was really you know praying and and fasting and really identifying like okay, I dated this girl for four and a half years. I don't want to do this thing. All over again. Like I don't want to date somebody else for another four years, two years, three years, kind of thing. Like I want to move a little bit faster than that because now at this point I feel like I know myself more. So if I know myself better, then I also know what I'm looking for. And so when when I met you know my wife, my wife Chappette, I just feel like she had a lot of those qualities. Like she was a very genuine person. She was a very committed person. She was a very disciplined person. Beautiful woman, but of course all these other things which I feel like were important in, in a wife to be she was very compassionate you know she said she was going to do something and she was going to do it so that lets me know that i can count on her you know she was also Were you tempted with her of course man you you i feel like you never not gonna be tempted and we did the same thing like she was she was about it like i knew i wasn't gonna get none until until we got married like that she told you yeah she told me but you know it was, it was written all over 
her face. It was really, like you, you, and we talked about it too. Like this is the path that we wanted to take. Um, so it was it was difficult, bro. But do you feel like when you when you told because I know you probably told her that you was a virgin? Yeah. Did she believe you? She believed me. Okay. She be, and I think she believed me because she believed my character. You know what I'm saying? Like gotcha. there was no need for me to have to prove that I'm telling the truth. And I think that's you know that it, it, it speaks a lot of speaks volumes about people where if you say something, then people give you credibility automatically. That there's some strength to that because there's people that you know they tell you things and automatically you want to nah, I'm not sure. So I yeah. think. She she knew my character and she knew that you know if I said I was, then I was. Which which I'll admit is probably rare, maybe not as rare as we think. Uh, but she knew that you know that's not. I just wouldn't lie to her. So yeah, got you. So, so okay. So when you made that decision that you was gonna drop to that one knee, right? Yeah. Walk me through that. So, bro, I remember, I remember just thinking like you know at the time when I proposed, social media wasn't like. It was it was big, but it wasn't like as influential as it is now. So I didn't have like you know, I, I need to jump out of a helicopter, you know, kind of things. It was just like I need to do something that's 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 special for the two of us. So when I got on one knee, like I knew for a fact this woman was the one. Again, this is somebody something I had prayed for. This is something that I had um, fasted for, and this is something like you know when you look at like what 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 the Bible says about a Proverbs thirty one woman, like who that person is. I feel like. Chappette matched so much of that. Like that was her. So it was, it was for me like, you know, not, not a, no second guess or anything like that. But when I was proposing to her, we, she lived in Brandon at the time. And every time we would go out on dates or every time we'd link up or every time we want to have a, a, a difficult conversation, we would go for a walk um, in her complex. So we'd go for a walk and we'd always stop by this tree, like this big old, I think it's like this big oak tree, I think is what it is. And so that was our thing. Like every time we want to have a difficult conversation, which are important in relationships, we would go there. We would go there. So when I proposed to her, what I did is I had like different people on that same path and every person was holding like a card that had a different date that was significant to our journey. So what I was saying is uh, like, you know, this is the journey that we've, you feel me? You feel Ooh, me? That's Ralph, a thought for you. you play, hey, 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 hey. I've been a list of Ralph now. now. He's beating. Hey, Ooh. be thoughtful. You, you look, man, you don't, if, if you know how to be thoughtful, then you don't have to do all this extra extravagant stuff because it's going to mean, it's going to stick a lot more, right? Yeah. I could do something where I spend thousands of dollars to propose and ask the same question, or I could do something that's thoughtful that she's always going to remember. So I had different people there that were part of that memory. And when I got there, it's like, I recollect, you know, the moment of what happened there. And then we walked down the path and I said, and I kept saying along the way, will you continue to take this path with me? So then we go to the next person. And then when we got to the big tree, that's when I said, you know, this journey is over. Another one is starting, got on one knee and said, will you marry me? Okay. So yeah. I got to ask you this question. Talk so, so is your wife Haitian? She is. All right. So is that a requirement? Because I know Eddie went through the same phase. Yeah. There's a time that he blackballed American woman, every other woman. Because he was like, you know what? No disrespect. Yeah. She got to be Haitian. Yeah. And we preach him. We say, Eddie, listen, bro. Whatever God sent you, that's right. very real. You got to make sure you go for that. Yeah. And look at him now. Yeah. Blossoming. Yeah. So, so nah, it, you know, it wasn't like a must that I had to marry a Haitian woman. I feel like I could have. Uh, married anybody from from any any culture, but you know I just happened to find um, you know my my soulmate and that that person is is of Haitian descent. But it wasn't like a requirement for me. I think in some some cases it makes certain things easier. Not all things like the family stuff. You know, there's there's some similarities there. But nah, if it if you know if if the if I would have found a young lady who was of a different nationality, 
Jamaican or <laughs> any any nationality, I would I'd have been cool with that. All right. So yeah. t- in today's society, we deal with a lot of different things right now that you don't want to deal with. Yeah. It's a lot of things with women, a lot of things with guys. You know what I'm saying? You find your queen. You know what I'm saying? So when when, when you look at a um, a high quality woman, how would you define her? Ooh, a high quality woman, man. It's, I just I, I don't want to put a I want to put a box to it. So what? Wh- yeah. Wh- yeah. What what box should a woman check for you to consider her high quality? Man. Okay. So I think the best way for me to answer that question is I'll talk about my high quality woman. I'll okay. say the boxes that she checked because I don't want to impose you know, my expectations onto, you know, you know, anybody else. So I think for me, her values were important for me. Her decision-making was important for me. Um, her discipline was important for me. And all those things were important because I'm going, I'm going to need that in life. Uh, values are important because at some point we're going to, we're going to raise kids. We're going to have kids. Yes. So, you know, just being a person of, of integrity, character, those things are very, very important. I, I also wanted somebody who I could get along with, like somebody who I, I don't just love you, but I like you. So, you know, we got to be able to kick it. We got to be able, you got to have a sense of humor, humor. Like we, we got to be able to have fun together. And I would also say like being transparent, being honest, like you got to be honest. You got to keep it real with me because I'm going to need that in life. You know what I mean? And I got to be able to keep it honest with you as well. Um, somebody who's, I would say, mature man that maturity like emotionally mature i needed that i needed that because i i you know i i don't want to be i don't want to be fighting with you like i don't want to be in an argument and we and we and the whole point is you trying to win the argument like we were just talking to a couple yesterday and we were telling them that like yo when you guys when you guys have these arguments the goal isn't to win that's that mm. shouldn't be it like y'all y'all fighting so you could win and i said bro you could win this argument and lose her so what's the point like, you can win this argument and lose sleep. So we're not trying to, like, I needed somebody who was mature. And- I just want to thank y'all for listening. Right now, we're going to take a quick break in the podcast and let you know about Anchor. We'll be back right after this. And I'd say all those things were, were um, I saw it in my wife, and I think that was that was important. So how do, okay, you talk about argument, because I feel like a lot of relationships, nothing is perfect. No. Right? So how do you guys deal with argument? Yeah, it's, one, I think you got to start with respect. So, you know, you don't see it my way yet. I don't see it your way yet. But I can't come in like I'm trying to destroy you. Okay? Mm. So, and I think that's where a lot of people go wrong because in this argument, it's like if, if I got to win at all costs, then I got to take some shots. Like I got to say some stuff to you that's going to hurt for you to get my point. So I think because we respect each other and we, and, and we, we value what we bring to each other, we, we're not trying to win this argument. We're trying to, we're trying to win the moment. We're trying to win the moment. We're trying to make sure we get to the point that we're trying to get to. And um, that's not always easy, but I think the way that we do that is, you know, we respect each other first and foremost. We love each other and we're not, we're not trying to destroy each other. Like I'm not trying to, you know, make you feel what I feel or make you hurt you at the expense of understanding me. I'm I'm not trying to do that. And, um, yeah. All right, so so now you guys have it's not just you and your wife anymore. Yeah, you guys have evolved. Man, we got two little jokers in the house, man. Yes, yes, yes. And I watch them all the time, and I love Sir. I love see you being a dad, man. I appreciate, appreciate that it. everything you do because you know we need more dad like you out there. Thank you, bro. you know. So I I think that when you first went into that process, you and her went into that process, and she came home and said, "You know what? I'm pregnant." Yeah. How did you feel? <laughs> I felt I felt good. I felt good because 
that's what we that's what we were trying for. Like, was it know? a phone call? Was it just no, no? And I came home and she had like a little, like a little, like a little gift bag. So I'm thinking, oh, you know, she's giving me a gift, right? I open the gift and um, it's like a little onesie and it says something on there. Now and I, it's still not connect. Like even though you like you know that's what you're trying for, but like when it happened, I was like, yeah, what's, what's, I was like, yeah, what 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 is this? The, and then it hit me like, oh snap, we're having. Yeah. a kid you know what I, mean? I was like man i'm about to be a dad and like it, it was weird because immediately i felt like a dad and i don't even know like how to explain that it's like oh snap there's something in here there's something in your stomach like hey we gotta be careful when you walk you know you gotta eat the right things you gotta do this you gotta do that like immediately i felt like a load of responsibility i guess that's the best way i could put it when she said like you know we're pregnant immediately i felt a load of responsibility um, but it was it was a good feeling, man. I just you know it's, now it's like ah, we gotta go through eight nine months of waiting to see to see this baby. But yeah, it, immediately it's like okay, my life is about to change. So okay, so not now you guys have two, yeah, right? not just one but two. Yeah, now you're not just caring for yourself or caring for your wife anymore. Mm -hmm. You're caring for some a, a child that you brought into this world. Now right. you're gonna have to care for that child until. Yeah. Forever, right? Yeah, because yeah. it's not like daddy ever go away. Never, never. You know what I'm saying? Like you could put your child out the house and be like, okay, go, go be an adult. Yeah. Or you're always going to be dad. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, have you ever thought about the first time, you know, I think that, you know, a child will always say happy Father's Day, but when they become an adult, you know, and they like, that's my dad. Yeah. You know, what, what proud moment do you feel so, so much right now about being a father? Man, there, there's so many. A lot of them come from come from my son. My son's three years old, and you know, my, my daughter's ten months old. So right now, she, she's not she's not talking. She's not doing those things. The pride that I get from her is just making sure that I'm spending quality time with her, helping out with the wifey, you know, feeding her, waking up in the middle of the night because we do shifts and all that stuff. So a lot of the pride is there. But with my son, when I see like some of the lessons that I teach him, that he's spitting them back at me, even at three years old. Like, I, I get a lot of pride in that. Um, He's a very gentle kid. And so every now and then, like, I have to nudge him a little bit to do things. So when I, when I you know, right now he's taking swimming lessons. And, and, and at first he was a, afraid to get in the water. So I would talk to him, be like, Papa, you can do this. You know, you, you got this. I believe in you. You know, this is, this is what happens if you do this. And we talk through it. And then I'd watch him jump in the water and look back at me and give me a thumbs up. Like bro, that just that that right there just just melts my heart because you you and then and then we talk to him like he's we don't we don't we never use Google Gaga with our kids we we have real conversation with our kids and when he says something back to you that you said to him like he'll be like Dad so and so said this at school today I'm like yeah okay Papa and then he goes yeah and I told him not to say that because that's not kind right Dad and I'm like ah oh, he gets it you know what I'm saying Ooh. those moments for me those are some very very proud moments. No, definitely, man, yeah. definitely. So, all right, so this question is from my audience, right? They want me to ask you this question. Okay. So at what age is it not okay to spank a child? Man, that's a, I'm Haitian, bro. So that's, that's <laughs> a hard, that's a hard question. At what age is it not okay to spank a child? Man, okay, so we, we haven't spanked Cameron. Um, only because we feel like he's three years old. Somebody told me this. They said, like, whatever you do, however you choose to discipline your kids, make sure that whatever you do, they'll understand the impact of it, right? They'll understand, like, there's a, there's, they're, 
there's some consequence. So I think for me, when he's two years old, when he's three years old, if I spank him and I'm, and I guess maybe spanking is not, not the the right word that I'm thinking of. Cause you know, being, being Caribbean, like when we think of spankings, bro, it's just, it's whoopings. Like mm-hmm. I, for us, ain't, ain't no really levels to this. Like ain't no pow pow. We didn't grow up on pow pow. Like when we say spank, I'm talking about my parents tear your butt up kind of thing. So I think when I think of spankings, I, I, I turn to thinking those terms. I think if the kid can't understand what it is that you're doing, then there's no point. And the other thing I say too is, growing up, our parents—I mean, we get whoopings, but we never even knew why we got the whoopings. So for us, if we decide to, you know, discipline Cam in that in that way, one, it can't be we're abusing the kid, and two, we gotta we gotta talk to him. And I think for us, communication and conversation is that first line of the line, first thing that we resort to, like. Cause sometimes there's some whoopings that I got growing up. I know it's because my parents were unstable. I know it's because there there was troubles between them. There's financial troubles. There's weight that they were carrying, so they weren't emotionally ready to say, "Hey, son, you shouldn't have done this. Tell me about that." It was just like they they snapped right away. So um, I say, you know, when the kids are are so young, man, I don't know if the whoopings really make a difference, but. When they're for me, that's personally, I'm not, you know, when when Cameron is a little bit older and he understands it, and there's certain things that he does, I might I might have to discipline him a little bit different than just having a conversation. So I think it's different for every kid, it's different for every parent. But I'm not I'm not whooping a two, three, four, five year old. True yeah. that, true that. I, and I and I echo that. I yeah. echo that. So I think that this is something that another question um from my audience. Yeah. Uh, so is there a tradition? Is there a tradition you would like to continue with your family now that you grew up on? You know, growing up, bro, our our family was we we didn't have a lot of traditions. So, so now, so my wife and I were we're creating traditions. Okay. Just, we we didn't do a a whole lot as a family. Here's here's how I would describe my family: it was me, my sister, and my mom, and then there was my dad. So. It was like it was like he was always in he was in the house. Um, I was I was about to ask you why you say it like that. Yeah, no, because he was in the house, but like he just wasn't connected to like home at all. Like he was like he was truly a provider in a sense, and that was really it. Like you know, we didn't he didn't have conversations with us. He didn't do none of that. So we didn't have like that traditional I would say traditional family upbringing. So now my wife and I were still in certain traditions. Like we have dinner with everybody like everybody's at the table every night that's our tradition um it's it's saturday as we say that's family time so my son would remind me every saturday daddy it's family time what are we going to do today so spending quality time with him you know that's i don't say that's a tradition but that's that's an ex- expectation in our house and then we do things on on um christmas as well like we'll get together we'll bake cookies or make croissants or something like that and we start with like reading scripture about, you know, the, the the birth of Christ, making sure he understands what Christmas is about. So I'll say now we're building traditions and adding traditions as we go because we didn't have a whole lot growing up. All right. What okay. From coming from Haiti and yeah. you know, coming here and see life and see what your kid your parents been through and now that you're an adult, what are three now you got your own family. Mm-hmm. What are three things you appreciate about life? Man, there's there's so much I I appreciate about life. I would say, uh, number one, especially living in this country, and um, you know, that's just from my perspective. I appreciate opportunity, bro. I appreciate opportunity because my my parents are both educated. 
But at the time where we were living in Haiti, there wasn't a lot of opportunity for them. So, you know, they made a lot of sacrifices for for our family, both my mom and my dad, because there was an opportunity there. So being in this country, you know, I, when I came in, I always felt like I felt like once I learned English, I'm gonna be good. Once I learn English and I can get my education, like I'm gonna find a good job. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be all right. Unfortunately, in my country, like you could have a really, you could be really, really knowledgeable. You could be really, really smart and still not have opportunity. Mm. So for me, I'm always grateful for that because I know there's people who are in Haiti who are way smarter than me, but they just don't have opportunity. So I'm 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 very very grateful for that in life. Um, one thing I'm also grateful for, man, is um, I'm so grateful for peace. Like I go home every day. I love being inside, not just the house, but like the home, you know, like Luther Vandross has an old song where he goes, a, a, a chair is not a chair if there's no one sitting there. And he goes, a house is not a home. Right. Mm-hmm. So you can have a house and it not be a home. Like I truly live in like being home and in, in the environment that my wife and I have created, not just for ourselves, but also for our kids. So I'd say I enjoy peace so much. So, so I'm grateful for opportunity I'm grateful for peace. And then the last thing I would say that, you know, as an adult, I've learned to be uh, grateful for is life lessons, bro. Like the hard lessons, the lessons that people don't don't want to learn. Like, you know, what do you do when you feel like a friend has betrayed you and you still got to like see this person? I'm grateful for that. Mm-hmm. What do you do when you feel like you should have gotten that position and somebody else got it? but you still got to come to work. I'm grateful for that. What do you do when you feel like somebody says something about you and they're being disrespectful and you got to maintain your composure? Like I'm grateful for all those hard lessons that sometimes people don't want to learn, but that yeah. on the other <laughs> side of that, that's where growth is. Like somebody snaps on you. What, what, what are you going to do? Like mm. what do you do when the easiest option is to speak up, is to be loud, is to be vulgar or whatever but then the best option is to choose to be silent in that moment. Like I've had to learn some of those lessons and, and I'm, I'm grateful for it, those hard lessons. No, man, that's true. That's true. I think God faced a lot of those also, you know, because I think it's just a background and, and we, we understand, you know, you know what I'm saying? That we are, we are, we are bigger than that. Right. You know what I'm saying like, right. okay, now what, you know? Right. So, you know, I look at a lot of those things. I'm like, okay, some people are like, man, Dre, they said, it. oh yeah, you know what? I'm good. Yeah. And trust me, I'm going to take care of that. It just might not be in your timing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to handle that. Like right now, if I handle this, there's too much emotions involved with this. It's going to come off like something completely different. Yep. So I'm going a, I'm to a handle that. We're we going to have that conversation, but it's going to be more productive than reactive. Okay. So the career is going right now and the career is hot. So after the career meltdown, yeah. do you want to stay here and retire or you want to go back to Haiti or do you want to go somewhere else? Yeah. So, you know, I I feel like I left Haiti when I was so young that going back to retire, I, I truly feel like I would have a, a hard time. Like, I've, I've been in, in the States for so long. Um, it, some of these things that, that we do here in the States is, is ingrained in me. So I, so I think career's over, career's hot. I haven't thought about going back, back to Haiti. Um, we've entertained the idea of going to different countries, but we haven't settled on anything. So I, I, you know, for now it's, we, we, we going to be in the States somewhere, 
But that could change. You know, that could change. But you know, there's some people, there's some Haitians that have like the burning desire to go back to back to live in Haiti. I don't have that burning desire. Now I have a burning desire to go back often for my kids to know where their dad grew up and for them to know like all of the country. Yeah, but to go back and live there, I just I just don't have that burning desire. Okay, two questions. Um, one, um, how do you guys deal with finances? In our family, how we do with finances? Yep. Um, it's it's uh my wife, I would say my wife handles the majority of things. And part of it is because She's uh she used to be a branch manager at at a credit union for for years so she's very financially savvy um but although she handles most of it I'm aware of everything right so so it's not like one of those things where you you know you do it and I I don't need to know what's going on now nah, I don't I don't operate like that I need to be aware of what's going on as well and when we need to when we need to come together and budget talk about the numbers we have like we've we've had actual we call them business meetings between the two of us where we have business meetings and talk about like how much we have here, how much we have there, what do we want to invest, what do we want to do here. So I'm aware of everything that comes in, everything that goes out, and um, I, we we don't. As far as like the specifics, you know, we have an account that handles the bills. We have an account that's for the savings. We have an account that's going to be for like you know your your emergency funds and things like that. Then we have an account that's going to be for investments, um, and we just you know we budget. We make sure that. When things need to get paid, they, they they get paid, and we're all aware of how things move. So that's 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 work for us. A couple there's couples that do different things, but for us is you know um, we we don't we don't do like splitting of the bills or anything like that. We everybody's aware of everything. I ain't got no secret accounts that she don't know about. She ain't got no secret accounts that. I don't know about. Let's, hey, 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 hey! Yeah. Lift that bed up. Nah. Uh, money might be piled under that bed. <laughs> might be. I'm, I'm gonna check. I'm gonna check. You when might I get be sleeping on millions. You I'm don't a, even know hey, it. I, hey, I might be. I'm gonna check when I get home tonight. I ain't gonna let you spread no. Nah, I ain't, I'm not gonna rock with that. Man. Ain't no money hiding. But you know, transparency is 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 very very important to us as it relates to finances. And um, yeah, we just we talk about everything, man. We that's that's the best way I feel like we 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 move and it and it works for us. Yeah, no, 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 and I really believe that, um, you know, so you get married and that's how life should be. You should be able to, like, talk about finances, right. put your finances together. And, I mean, I wish that people never get divorced. Yeah. You know, this is true. Like, I wish that people never get divorced because the truth is, man, we going to make money. We, we should, I think life is about get married, serve, you know, the Lord, and also travel the world, yeah. enjoy it, but also raise your kids the right way. Right. Because... Time hops, yeah, and time go by fast. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. You don't get that back. No, you know what I'm saying. You can't buy that. I'm pretty sure if the billionaire right now, the billionaire right now could have bought thirty years back off his time. Yeah. He'll give you a couple of billions for that. Yeah, no, you yeah. know what I'm saying. Yeah, we you don't you know. Every day is an opportunity, man. Every yeah. every day can can be a beautiful day. It it depends on the choices that we make. So for us, whether we take a big trip or or we go downtown to like Tampa Riverwalk, like that's that's important to us. Is because again, like you said, I don't get that time back, man. Like we do that a lot. We'll just go to Tampa Riverwalk and just walk and just talk, ask her questions about like I'm trying to get. Because remember, I met this woman when after college, so I never knew her when she was in elementary school, middle school, high school, none of that. So when we take those walks, it's an opportunity for me to also like walk back down memory lane, and be like, yo. Chappette, tell me about you when you're in elementary school. Tell me about you when you're in middle school. Like, I'm trying to understand not just who she is now, but who she was. Like, I'm trying to understand the whole person. And that's 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 a whole, that's a life's journey, man. So 
I'm gonna take every opportunity to get to, to, to get to know it. Yeah, Ralph, man, you're a good man, man. You're a good man. I've try, I've known bro. you for a long time, and I was, you know, watch you, you know, and I and I think that you're doing a good job, and I will definitely say that. Thank you, And brother. you know, Eddie say it all the time too, you know, and. Eddie's like my brother. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Not like my brother. He's he my is, brother. He is your He's brother. He's my brother, you know. Yeah. So um um, but definitely where do Ralph go from here? Where I go from here, man, is you know, for the longest I've always been able to encourage everybody. Like, Dre, I sit and I talk to you, I'll be like, Bro, you can do whatever you put your mind to. You can achieve it. Like you tell me about your goals and automatically I believe in you. Like I give you that credibility and for the longest I was doing that for everybody else but I could never do that for myself like you know somebody would give me a compliment I'd be like yeah I appreciate it but in my mind I'm like yeah you know could I really like they'll be like bro I could see you doing this 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 and that and I'd be like yeah thank you so much but I didn't believe it you know what I mean so now I'm, I'm in a different space where like I believe so much more great things about myself now than I did before so what's next like, I, I know it can be incredible. Like, I'm in the process of of writing a children's book. Like, me and my son, based off our, our experiences and our adventures, I'm in the process of writing a book. Two years ago, I would have just said, yeah, man, one day I would like to write a book. Today, I'm saying I'm in the process of writing a book. You know, I used to work for a credit union, and I used to teach courses there. And I've always thought, like, you know, maybe I could take this stuff elsewhere uh, and not just in the place where, where I am currently. Two years ago, I was saying maybe, but today you talk to me, I'm saying, bro, this is what I'm going to do, right? So I think where I go, where I go next is, is you know, it sounds cliche to say, it, but the the sky's the limit because now I actually finally believe in some of those things that people were saying about me, and I'm not just going to let them sit here and just you know just spin. I'm actually going to put that into action. So I'm excited, man. No, definitely, Ralph. It's a pleasure to have you. And a lot of people don't know, man, I think that you have to listen to Ralph, you know, because he, he lived that journey and um, he's a walking resume. You know, um, when you look at Ralph, when you talk, when you listen to him, you, 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 sh you should hear. You don't have to. You don't have to take everything that he have done, but you can make your own version of what you want your life to be. Sure. I think that's the most important part about life. But yeah, man, we talk up the thing and we hear, man. We out. Yes. I love the way you used to come through. Teach me to do the things that men do. And true, you show me stuff I probably shouldn't have seen. But you had barely made it out your teens. Took me under your wings. I want a hat, so I want a clothes just like you. Lean to the side when I roll just like you. And care if people didn't like 